Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And if you don't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African-American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. And today, my guests are co-host and media consultant for the Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? Fine. How are you, John? I'm doing fantastic. Next, we have Circulation Director for the Herald, Wade Lacey Sr. How are you doing today, Wade? I'm doing fine, John. It's good to be here. Good to hear. And then we have some special guests with us also. We have Literacy Programs Manager, uh, Tiana Henry. How are you doing today, Tiana? Hello, John. Great to be here. Glad you could be here. And then we also have Dr. Greg Shemless. How are you doing today, doctor? I'm doing great um, and really excited to be here today. We're glad you could have you on. Now, before we talk about our main topic, which is going to be the early reading programs, let's uh, talk about some of the top news topics of the week. In a reversal of an earlier guidance, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is now recommending people who are vaccinated against COVID-19 wear masks indoor in parts of the U.S. where the coronavirus is surging. CDC Director Rochelle P. Walensky said the CDC is also recommending that everyone in K-12 schools wear masks, regardless of their vaccination status. That includes students, staff, and visitors. And also, to point out, Hamilton County is in the moderate tier of transmission. Andrea, what are your thoughts on this uh, news story? I'm not surprised. Um, I know we have been going up and down about do we wear a mask, don't we wear a mask? And, you know, since, you know, I've got vaccinated, I know I've been a little lax in what I've been doing, but I still wear a mask when I go into a grocery store or a store with a lot of people in it. But I think this is just tells us the seriousness of the Delta variant and that we just need to take a beat, do what's best for everybody. And if that just means continue with our daily lives, but have to wear a mask just to protect ourselves, then I think we need to step up to the plate and do it. Um, I think we're in this for the long haul of the pandemic, but I think it's just a new variation that we just need to get used to and keep right on stepping. Wade, what are your thoughts on this uh, new story? Yeah, I think uh, uh, wearing a mask was shown to uh, be effective uh, the last 12 months. So I think that is is. It's a good recommendation. I think that they should have uh, stayed with the mask for, for a longer period of time anyway. So uh, once they're consistent with the message that they're sending out, I think right now there's a lot of confusion with folks. Uh, uh, they're hearing one thing one week, another thing next month and everything. But uh, I think, like I said, over the last 12 to 18 months that wearing a mask was shown to be effective. And moving on to our next story. TQL Stadium will host a World Cup qualifying match on November the 12th between Team USA and Mexico, Mayor John Cranley announced Wednesday. The match will be broadcast live on the ESPN and Univision family of networks. Wade, uh, thoughts about this exciting news story? This is very big, big, big for the city of Cincinnati. As we talked to earlier this year uh, about the, the soccer stadium and all of that, uh, my, me, myself, I'm not a soccer fan. However, I do understand the scope of this uh, for the city. Uh, you're talking revenue. Uh, you're talking future revenue. You're talking future events. When they see something like this happen in Cincinnati, other venues would like to come to Cincinnati. You're going to have mass coverage with ESPN and, and uh, a whole host of 
uh, celebrities and everything will be here for that. So it's very, uh, very important for the city and it's, it's uh, a good win for everyone. Andrea, your thoughts about this story? Oh, I'm very excited about it. I think having the international recognition of our state soccer stadium is a win, not just for the soccer community, but it's a win for the city. And it, it, it like Wade said, it brings new people to the city to discover who and what we are and why we're so special being known as the Queen City and what our neighborhoods have to offer. I think that having watched some of the soccer games on television, I think um, it, it's also going to bring out more of our Latino community to bring build a little bit of sense of pride in being part of the Cincinnati neighborhoods to see that you know a rivalry is coming to the area to play. So I think it's a win-win, not just on a national level, but it's a win-win on the local level because we have so many soccer enthusiasts, especially within the Latino community or Latino X community, that they'll be able to see someone that they can identify with playing and possibly, you know, may or may not win, but at least playing. And now moving on to our next story. Simone Biles will not defend her Olympic title in the individual all-around competition. The four-time Olympic gold medalist withdrew Wednesday from the all-around competition to focus on her mental well-being. The decision comes a day after Biles removed herself during the team final following one rotation because she felt she wasn't mentally ready. It is unknown if she will compete in next week's vault, uneven bars, floor exercise, and balance beam finals. Wade, uh, thoughts on this developing story? Very, very interesting. I'm going to play the villain on this uh, this topic. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know about 95% of the world is, is supporting her, talking about mental health, uh, the issues she could have had uh, as she does those tumbles and flips and everything. Uh, she gets up very, very high and uh, she could possibly injure herself and all that if she's not totally emotionally, emotionally and mentally prepared to do her um, events. But I, I'm going to go way back. I remember when I was a youngster, I saw a television program and it had a, um, a, a pastor, preacher. And this we talking about late 50, early 60s and he was on a rant and he was just pleading with the folks and everything talking about music, roll, the new rock and roll music and how music and the beat. And he just kept going in the beat. It's the beat, the beat is the evil part and all that. And he talked about that. And uh, he gave an example. He showed a, a, a little small video clip of Elvis Presley uh, uh, doing his hips and all that and everything. And he was saying how the beat the beat, the beat, it's the evil thing and all that and how it's messing with, messing the kids up and all that. And uh, at that time, I was like, who is this crazy guy? What is he talking about and everything? And as I got older and I watched the trans transformation of uh, the music and, and the effect that uh, it had on the, the, the uh, culture of the youth and uh, how the, the movements that Elvis Presley and Bose was doing back then, how it evolved and kept evolving and it became a little worse and worse. And now, now we have a whole different <laughs> type of animal when you see our youngsters out there dancing and all, and all right now. So I, I, I understand now where he was coming from, although at that time I thought he was a crazy guy. 
I said all that to say this. With this Simone thing, and you're talking about mental health and all that, everyone's going to support her. And it's not only her, they're going to support all the athletes, male and female, uh, about this. A few years ago, it really became an issue worldwide as uh, some of the basketball, the pro basketball players start uh, bringing to light uh, what they were going to do and the pressures and all that. And uh, I know Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers and we had Derrick Rose, a former most uh, uh, valuable player in the, in the um, uh, NBA and some others uh, talked about their mental issues. And so it started to be a, a snowball that started to get bigger and bigger. And you know, the issues we've had with Simone, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, Naomi, uh, with tennis recently and everything. So it's, it's, it's becoming a, a thing that everybody's talking about and everybody wants to lend support to the athletes about this. However, the, the situation I see that, that comes about is Simone Miles uh, right now, I think she's worth like $6 million or she's pulling like $6 million in adoptions. Uh, Kevin Love signed a multi-max uh, contract with the Cavaliers uh, a year or so, two years ago, pulling in, I think, over 60-something million dollars. These athletes, they're getting paid, and that pressure is part of the reason they're getting paid these large salaries. These, they're getting all this endorsement money. So uh, even though they're human beings, uh, they, they, they can succumb to the pressure and all that and everything, they're actually looked at and supported at a different level. And so my concern is that I can see somewhere in, in, in the near future where certain athletes can milk this and take advantage of this, still get paid those millions and millions of dollars. So uh, I'm just playing a devil's advocate on that side of it because I know everybody's throwing their support behind uh, 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 Miles and, and uh, the different athletes that are going through these emotional problems, but I can see where uh, certain people can take advantage of this, pull in these millions of dollars, milk this emotional thing, and, and, and continue to go forward. Uh, Andrea, your thoughts on this news story? Yeah, I admire Simone for what she did, but I think it, it, it's more than just the pressure being paid, more than the pressure of, you know, who's putting pressure on them. I think we need to take a look at, she has achieved something within the gymnastics community to, the, to, to a level that no one has ever reached. And walking into the Olympic games, she was told that what she has achieved was not gonna be counted. And I think there were, every single time she did something that was known as the Biles or something else, they weren't gonna score her as effectively as other people were gonna be scored. And I think the pressure of her work, her achievement is not being respected, not being noticed is one pressure. I think the fact that the pressure that she is the goat, um, she throughout getting on the plane, coming here, press conferences, she's the goat, she's the goat, she's the greatest of all time. And I think the pressure of going on the, getting a medal, all of that took a toll on her that if you notice throughout her performance, she was making small mistakes, a slip here, you know, another thing here on the uneven bars. Still, she got the points, but she overturned. 
she stepped off the, the, the mat. She stepped off the mat a couple of times. And I think it got to the point of where she knew that if she did one more thing and pushed herself with all this pressure, that she, it was gonna be her life or a broken something. And I think she just decided, you know what? I'm stopping. Not only to save herself, but you also saw how it affect her teammates. And if she was off, they were gonna be off. And what better way to make sure, hey, you're good. Go ahead and do better than me. I'll sit on the sidelines and support you. And I think she proved that she's more of a leader than anybody else. And that's the reason why I'm very pleased with the decision that she's made. Okay, moving on to our next story. The initial Black Music Walk of Fame induction was held Saturday at Andrew Brady Music Center in downtown Cincinnati. Many citizens and politicians turned out to witness the induction of four of Cincinnati's Black music legends and now founding members of the honorary walk at the city's new music venue. Honorees included the late Dr. Charles Fold, Otis Williams, Bootsy Collins, and the Isley Brothers, each with their own star to be placed in the walk between Paul Brown Stadium and the Andrew Brady Music Center. Hamilton County Commissioner Alicia Reese, founder of the Black Music Walk of Fame, said, the Black Music Walk of Fame will not only celebrate the rich history that local African-Americans have contributed to music, but it will also attract visitors and tourists from all over the world to come and visit Hamilton County. Andrea, your thoughts on this news story? I think it's a wonderful way to embrace the African-American history of the city of Cincinnati. We have a wonderful music tradition um, that I have seen bands come and go over the years. I love live music. I love you know, the, um, music, musicians on the local level. They pour, they're very passionate. They pour their hearts out, whatever genre they're playing and performing. And I think it's wonderful that not only do we honor those who've come before us within the music industry here locally, but we'll get to honor those who come after them as well. And what better way to um, set the tone and discover uh, a gem of Cincinnati that's not really talked about all that often, but now is getting the recognition that it deserves. Wade, your thoughts on this story? Uh, Commissioner Reese, she continues to hit a home run for the uh, city of Cincinnati. I know that uh, uh, she left city council, she got into uh, tourism for the city and she continues to do things that brings people to Cincinnati. This is a very good thing. Uh, I, I, as a singer, uh, I love music. It's part of me, it's part of my family. I think this is great for Cincinnati. The, uh, the initial artist that, that, um, that won this award, Bootsy, the Isley Brothers, Otis Williams, Charles Bold, these are excellent uh, people uh, to start this off with. Uh, I like the variety. You got Charles Bold, a gospel man. I do I do gospel singing. I do secular singing. So it's good to see that they are able to bring a variety of folks into this. Uh, and uh, it's just just a good thing uh, to bring uh, not on, not only for the people of Cincinnati because I'm sure they'll be down there and all that, but it also is a good thing for people that comes to Cincinnati from 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 uh, other places because they'll want to stop down to see this. Well, that's it for our top news stories of the week. So now let's switch over to the main topic, which is the early reading programs. And I introduced our guest earlier, uh, literacy 
Programs Manager, Tiana Henry and Dr. Greg Shumless. So how you doing? How you doing, guys? Doing great. Great. So let me ask you guys, um, there are two um, literacy programs at the Children's Hospital. Um, one of them is Reach Out and Read, and the other one is Imagination Library. So what's the first one, Reach Out and Read? So Reach Out and Read has been at Children's for over 20 years. And what happens is during well child checks, our um, pediatricians, as well as any of our medical um, providers, give out books and reading guidance, reading guidance to parents of uh, children from birth um, to age five. So when they come in for their well child check, they not only get um, a checkup, but they also get reading guidance and a free book um, in over 27 clinics across Cincinnati. So uh, you get the, uh, that's for Reach Out and Read. Now, Imagination Library was a program started by um, country singer Dolly Parton in her hometown in Tennessee. And what Imagination Library does is, well, Dolly saw a need in her community because of low literacy rates and her father had issues with literacy. So she started the program and she gave out free books in the mail for children in her county. Well, the program spread across the uh, country and other people wanted to do the same thing. So um, it opened up and if you get your own funding, you can um, have um, Dolly Parton's uh, books come to your city. So we had some funding come and uh, we were able to uh, start it in Cincinnati. This will be six years. And what happens is the children get free books in the mail. So in addition to getting your free book at the doctor's office, you are signed up for the program and you get a free book every month and it's age appropriate book in the mail until you turn five years old. So if you are newborn, you could have a library of 60 books with Imagination Library. So you get a new book every month and it's absolutely free. And first it was just in Cincinnati proper with Cincinnati Public Schools and it has expanded because First Lady uh, Fran DeWine um, of Ohio made it be her uh, project and so she wanted this program in all 88 counties in Ohio. And so Fran pushed it through the budget. And so um, half of our um, budget is covered by the state of Ohio. So now we're able to have the entire county of Hamilton County to have free books. And so it is free if you know a child from zero uh, to about four, around four and a half, they may be able to get the books. but uh, we really want to try to start them from birth and on up, and they can just uh, go to www.ohioimaginationlibrary and then get the books. Well, that sounds amazing. How successful has this program been so far? So we've been very successful with the program. Um, right now, we are at 24,000 children, and it's estimated to have about 54,000 children in um Hamilton County. So we've done a really good job of getting the word out. But again, uh, we can always get more of the word out. And um, the co combination of the programs together, this was the first time in the nation that we've com they've combined the program. So we've had not only you get a free book, but also a free free book and guidance. And then on top of an extra book. So we not only have the free book in the mail, but we have the guidance coming from your most, most trusted advisors, which are your medical workers. 
Dr. Shumlis, how vital is it to read to your children um, during the early development years? Is like, like how, how much does it affect the uh, child's growth and everything? Well, now we know more and more about the developing brain and reading with children, especially in the preschool years is vitally important to their development. Um, the first five years of life is a period of just tremendous brain growth and development. And we know that the brain is developing all these new neurons during this period. And what's really important is that we kind of um, prune these neurons into the, into the pathways that children need to learn. So, you know, we think as kids go into school and kindergarten and all of a sudden they start to learn to read and everything. But we know now that really, you know, the basis of all your success at school reading really starts at birth. And we know that sharing books and readings with preschoolers is probably the most important things that parents can do to get their children ready for kindergarten. We know that children that look at books and love books do better in school. And we know that children that look at books and read books with their parents from birth until they get to school are more ready for school. They know their letters, they know their colors. They're just all set to go from the beginning. Actually, um, I want to ask Andrea, do you have any questions for uh, Tiana? And yeah, I was, I, I was curious is about, um, you know, there are a lot of parents out there who don't read well but want their children to do better than they have. How do you encourage parents to pick up a book and read to their kids when they're not big readers? Well, I think um, it just becomes even more important. And you know, it doesn't really matter so much what you read, what book you read with your children, or even if you're reading the words on the page, it's the fact that you're looking at a book with a child and talking about the pictures and telling a story and interacting with the child over the book that's, that's vitally important. And um, Tiana has done great work in the community. And I think she knows that um, probably her experience in the community and mine just working with parents is that actually when, when I have parents that tell me that they don't read well, they're actually even more motivated to read and share books with their children because they want them to do well at school. Yes, and we also have a partnership with the Literacy Network of Cincinnati. So um, we are able to refer parents um, if they are interested in, re um, in trying to improve their reading level um, to get some of their services as well. And also um, we have heard really great things with the um, parents who are learning to speak English. They are learning how to read the books with their child because some of the books are in Spanish and in English. So it's helping some of our English language learners as well. It's very interesting because I mean, I know growing up, I've always been a reader. My mother encouraged my sister and I to read um, at a very young age. In fact, it was to the point of where she forced us to put a book down so we would do our chores at home. That's how much of a reader we were. But I mean, to instill the love of the word to kids. Um, do they have, do the parents choose a favorite author? Is there any one book out there that parents like more than others to read to their children that you found that might make a few suggestions to our audience? Well, uh, what's really popular now is um, books, cultural books. I mean, books that have book characters that look like the child, you know, if they have books with African-American characters, uh, Latina characters, 
Um, anything that looks like the child, uh, parents, not only the children get excited, but the parents get excited because uh, we know of a time when they didn't have books um, that had um, diversity. And so now, um, which um, actually I just got off the phone, off of a Zoom call with a parent in another meeting who was bragging and so excited about the diversity in Imagination Library because she was saying that her child was getting the books in the mail and learning and seeing, but also seeing not only just characters, African-American characters, and it's another book with Native American characters. And she was like, she was very excited uh, to share the diversity. So um, that is something that is really good. Uh, we see in Imagination Library and just so that uh, everyone knows the books aren't chosen by myself for Imagination Library. I do have a say so in the books for Reach Out and Read, um, but for Imagination Library, they are chosen by a team of experts and a panel, as well as parents of educators across the country that meet and choose books. That is fantastic. I, I like hearing that about the diversity and about the different. Um, um, options parents have to, you know, to read to their kids and expose them to other cultures and other things that are going on in the world. So I'm very, very excited to hear this. Yeah, this sounds like amazing stuff that you guys are doing at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Uh, Wei, do you have any questions for um, our two special guests? Uh, yes, did I hear that correctly, that this uh, takes them up to the uh, five years old? Yes, so they graduate from the program because it's a uh, uh, preschool and so we want to start them from birth and then the whole program is it's pretty much a kindergarten readiness so when they when they turn five on their birthday on their birthday month the last book they get is called look out kindergarten here i come which not only talks about kindergarten readiness and what the kids will see in the in that particular book but it also reminds the mom like make sure you register your child for kindergarten so um, it goes from zero to five, and yes, it is free. Now, we do have the program in the clinics is uh, strategically put in certain clinics to make sure we get the children that need it the most, but anyone can register in all 88 counties in Ohio at www.ohioimaginationlibrary.org. That's great. Well, if nobody has any more questions, um, I guess we'll wrap this up. Thank you, Tiana, and thank you, Dr. Uh, Shemless, for um, coming on this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Yes, happy to be here. We always love to come and talk about reading. And I just want to make sure your readers, please go to www.ohioimaginationlibrary.org. And you just, it, it's no catch. You know, it's a lot of things out here in the community saying it's free. We're not going to send you a bill. There's not anything weird going to happen. You're just going to get your books. Now, it may take a couple months to get them to go through the mail, um, but you will get your book and you're, um, you will find the joy of reading. And also, not only the book has uh, the parent's name, but it also has the child's name. And as we all know how important it is as children when we start getting uh, mail, so when the children get um, their, they see their name and they recognize their name on the book, I've heard great stories and I've also seen personally, they really are serious about their mail. So 
um, just go ahead and, and register your child, www.ohioimaginationlibrary.org, and you'll see the magic begin. Well, we will definitely put that in the podcast description so no one has any excuse to not go to that website. Uh, I also want to thank Andrea and Wade for coming on today's show and uh, talking about the top news stories of the week. Thank you, Wade. Thank you, Andrea. Okay, so make sure to check out the stories we talked about today on our website at www.bcincinnatihero.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph F. Booksellers, and at select service stations. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, and TuneIn Radio. Just search for the Cincinnati Hero Podcast. Follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram. And also follow us on YouTube. Just search for the Herald TV. I'm John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And have a good day. Mm-hmm.